this is Voyager time. Galactic Cluster 3 is a transmaterial energy plane intersecting 22 billion omnicordal life forms. <laughs> That's mean. Don't tell them I said that. I'm Andrew, and with me today is... Sarah. Ben. Nathan. Today we're talking about Star Trek Voyager, uh, Season 4, Episode 2, The Gift. Kess's mental abilities develop to a point where they endanger Voyager, while the Doctor and Janeway slowly help Seven of Nine cope with being severed from the Borg. The Voyager has fired 23 of its 38 photon torpedoes. Borg. 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 Taylor and I just spent most of this episode saying Borg like that, because mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun to say. Gotta be Borg. 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 Ex-Borg. Borg. <laughs> Pre-Borg. Pre-Borg. I sat down to fire up this episode, and I was like, okay, we watched episode one last week, so it's going to be episode two this week. And I pulled up the synopsis, and it said, uh, Chakotay gets captured by a young Kazon out to prove himself. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Are you I told kidding you. me? <laughs> I warned you. <laughs> I know. And I was like, I was about 10 seconds away from texting you guys and being like, we're not watching this episode, right? Like, please, Christ, we're skipping this episode. <laughs> And I took a closer look and was like, oh shit, I'm on season two. Thank God. And I've never felt more relief flood my body in my entire <laughs> life than in the moment where I didn't have to watch a fucking Kazon episode. <laughs> did the synopsis not sound familiar? remember when we did familiar? watch that? Yeah, we watched it that. It did. It did. But it was just like, I just saw the word Kazon and I was like, no, no, it can't be. And then I read all the way through. I was like, okay, this is, this is good news. But, whew, man, in that moment. <laughs> smooth moves there, bud. Not as smooth as the Kazon? No. Yeah. Not as smooth as Seven of Nine's uh head before she grows her hair. <laughs> it was kind of There's kind of a lot of lumps on kind there. Of lumpy yeah, kind of lumpy a little bit. Not, kind of lot not smooth. Yeah. Okay, can you not be smooth and lumpy? Got smooth lumps. Do you think Lumpy Space Princess is smooth? Oh no. Didn't they zoom in on her at one point? Oh bris- bristly. I feel like she'd be kind of like hairy or bristly. Yeah, bristly. Bristly. Exactly yeah, like a Brillo pad. Ooh, I was thinking more like a wild boar. <laughs> so, what did we think of this episode? I thought her head was lumpy but smooth, <laughs> which is a state that I, uh, uh, you know, I strive desire to, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> understandable. Yeah. Lumpy but smooth is just sort of like how I wish to be perceived by my friends. You hate to admit it, but that is the ideal male body. <laughs> I don't hate to admit that. I'm proud to be a lumpy but smooth striver. Yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. Like, I don't know. We, we've we seen it a little bit before with the, the deborging process, obviously, Borg. because they, because they, you know, they referenced that. But like, I don't know. It was, it was fun to see like the doctor so excited about <laughs> her, yes. her human functions returning. And she's like, no, stop doing this. And he's like, oh, but, but look at, but well, it's look at my science. Out. Look at the science. <laughs> I have absolutely been the guy in that situation where, like, I'm super jazzed about something that nobody else cares about. Mm. Not in this podcast, thank God. <laughs> I love you three nerds. Thanks for doing this with me. <laughs> Good time. I like that when he gets excited, he gets super sassy with Tuvok. Mm-hmm. Their little back and forth were truly excellent this weekend. Or this weekend. This, uh, this episode. <laughs> Yeah, the doctor and Tuvok were over at my house this weekend, just having, <laughs> yeah. having a good old time. Yeah, I enjoyed. Uh, I, I did enjoy Tuvok. Like, if Tuvok had more emotions, it would have been like a, a like it would have looked like he had been just shot or something with that like 
a prudent right. a prudent diagnosis for a security officer just like oh god you cut him deep into his core right there <laughs> Tuvok gets him back yeah that yeah, was a good was really nice good follow-up how dare this computer talk to me this way <laughs> <laughs> who programmed it with sass that's not all right I really liked this episode. I thought it was great, and I really enjoyed that we actually got continuity. Like, what the fuck? It's been three episodes mm-hmm. in a row with the, basically the same subject matter? That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What a gift for us. Yeah, we're... Well, it is called The Gift. Oh! literally is called... But, yeah, we're, we're getting into the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally. I mean, I enjoyed the some of the episodes we watched before. I sat through others and I merely tolerated others, but I think by and large Voyager has been pretty good, but I'm really, this is like a step up in every way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You can tell just like, even like first episode from like first episode of this season from last episode, last season, just like kind of the quality difference and like, yeah, even some of the production of it. Yeah. Felt like like we got that zoom inside Seven's head. Like that was totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. We magic school bust in there. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I did have to roll my eyes a little bit when we got Kessa's um ill-defined telepathy to melt that <laughs> implant, but whatever. <laughs> you didn't like you you didn't enjoy Kess becoming uh Dr. Manhattan for a little while. <laughs> yeah, ascending <laughs> to the next plane of reality or whatever. Yeah. Turning into a literal god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Becoming a bionic god. You know, if she... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That was the problem. Yeah, it's like all of I this was that. so, so inexplicable. This whole yes. change for Kest is just like, yeah, we get you have like these untapped, you know, telekinetic power, whatever. That's always been ambiguous. But now it's just like, the change is happening, and now I'm a god. Yeah. I Well, and it's weird. I don't know. Kaz's abilities have always been really confusing, because, like, why does she have them? Like, mm-hmm, this isn't right. just what happens to O'Compens, because we've met older O'Compens in the episodes where she was getting away from her planet. I mean, I guess in the premiere. And she... They weren't, like, tele- telepathic, like you know ascendant people or whatever like they were right. just regular people so like why is this happening and even like even those other ocompens that we did meet that were telepathic were not gods did we meet yeah there was like were? yeah there was like one episode where it was a bunch of other ocompens who had followed like the oh the original right. caretaker yes and they were like we would like cast to join us now right this is the one where she set the tomatoes on fire. And Tuvok on fire. <laughs> oh, I Tuvok, I was right. worried she was going to do that to him again. I don't know. I mm-hmm. can't believe Tuvok was like, yeah, let's do some more meditation things and here's some fire. fire. I'm like, <laughs> He is not. Im- I, I was about to say Tuvok was traumatized by the last fire, but I'm sure that Tuvok is very able to like. Compartmentalize. Yeah, compartmentalize these things and deal with trauma better than most people. Yeah, he works he seems like, on his own. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he also seems apparently fireproof, so, you know, a little less concerned about that. Uh, I disagree on that part, but. <laughs> I mean, he's still alive. I, I tell you what, if, if any one of my organs caught on fire or got to a place <laughs> where somebody could describe them as on fire, I would not be talking to you today. So the fact that he, <laughs> he's survived that one, I mean. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to their medical magic in the okay, doctor. True. Yeah. <laughs> so they brought a gentleman back to life more than once. Yes. Okay, so the seven stuff with this episode is really interesting, but the Kess stuff was kind of weird and like disjointed yes. to me. First, the biggest thing was that I thought it was really confusing and out of character for Kess to be like, I wanna keep pursuing these abilities, yeah. but after Tuvok is like, um, they're fucking up the ship. Like, stop. Like, they should have emphasized more that it was like an involuntary thing and not yeah. just her being like, I just really want to explore mm-hmm. my new abilities, which they should have been making like a plan for her to do that. I don't know. It was just it felt weird to me that she was like willing to keep trying to do that even after she knew that it was going to cause the ship to start coming apart at the molecular level or whatever. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I definitely agree with you on that. The one thing I will say is it's sort of, if you take the episode on its face, she was changing like past the point of like being able to associate with us lesser beings. Yeah. And so I sort of felt like that leaned into the notion that she was like transcending beyond what we could understand. She just sort of was becoming more alien like that. But I, I like she was doing it because she sort of was unable to care about like lesser forms. But I totally agree. It felt really out of character. Yeah. I also thought they could have done more with the contrast of the message that Janeway was sending to Kess and Seven. Cause like, for real, J- Janeway is talking mm-hmm. to Seven and being like, we're going to make you be a human again, whether you want it or not. And then to Kess, she's like, whatever you choose is fine. Spread and Spread your like, wings, yeah. you beautiful butterfly. Yeah. Like, she mm-hmm. literally sends an opposite message and there's no like discussion or even conflict mm-hmm. in her. Like, or at least anything communicated. And I just thought that was a strange uh, thing mm-hmm. to include when you don't even remotely discuss the direct contrast between those two things. Like, obviously, yeah, the, it is going to be like, we know what happens to Seven. She becomes a, like a human again. And she it's mm-hmm. what she would have chosen if she was like fully herself. But there should have been some conflict of like, is this the right thing to be doing? You right. think... <laughs> but they don't even talk about it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Before we get into seven too much, I, I want to wrap up on cast. I, I don't really think there's that much more to say there, but I totally agree. When you know that the purpose of this is to get Cass off the show, you can totally see the seams in her storyline. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can especially see like the seams when you consider the fact that like, yes, they kind of based this whole like Cass Ascension thing off of her communication with, whatever species number from the last couple episodes but like they didn't address that it was that something happened in those episodes too where it's just like all right all of a sudden Kess is now crazy powerful we're not going to say anything additional why and also yeah all these other little things is it just continue like those kinds of things just kind of add up to being like oh yeah we kind of wrote this plot line so that Kess has to leave. But well, and the, her interaction with species too <laughs> <laughs> was just sort of there to emphasize how dangerous they were. It wasn't really about right. Like she didn't gain anything from that. It was just mm-hmm. so that we, the audience knew that these were tough bastards. You don't want to deal with. Yeah. They were scary in more ways than just, Oh, the Borg can't kill them either. So, and in more ways than the CGI budget. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it all felt 
of place. And then the seven stuff was interesting too. If I felt more into it, just because I like, I think all the stuff in seven nine is really interesting. But Sarah, you're totally right. Like there was, they were like, Janeway basically assumed power of attorney over her. Yeah, and there was like no mm-hmm. discussion about how fucked up that is. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just Janeway taking a little more responsibility. Like she was doing that. And I'm sure that they had these, like, thoughts, like, you're just supposed to assume that she's thinking about it. But, like, I would have rather had some kind of, like, conversation, like, she talks to Chakotay about it or something. And, like... Yeah, any any little amount of doubt. No, yeah. <laughs> any qualms with just, this. Yeah, like, is this a good idea? And Chakotay's like, you should maybe... I don't know, they have, like, a brief conversation, and she's just like, nope, this is what we're doing. And it's like, oh. Chakotay's kind of like, take a beat. Think about this one. She's like, nah, nah. I don't think so. Probably not. <laughs> Yeah, she did. Pass. She did the comedic timing thing of actually just took one actual second. <laughs> yeah, right. And goes, actually, no, I do know what I would like to do. Yeah, good timing, honestly. And I just think it would just be better. I think if, well, I don't, I don't know. The whole thing. I think that this should have been. It should have just been an episode to itself. Like the take taking the. Both, I think both stories suffered because they had to share an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have put in a lot more stuff about like you know, conflicting uh, feelings of like, is this the right thing to do if they didn't have to also be like, oh my God, Cass is ascending to the next plane of existence and like, what are we going to do at the same time? So mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't know. And then like at the end, seven is in her like new costume and she has hair and she looks like it, totally like she, different. she looks like she looks the rest of the show and it's right. like, suddenly she's like kind of fine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like not the, like, but and that just like happened out of nowhere. Like there was no transition yeah. of her like waking up and being like looking at herself for the first time and like having yeah. any kind of like coming into her new body or like I don't know. I, they just should have spent more time on that. I think they went from seven like trying to kill or attacking Janeway in that in the brig for a second to seven's now just like okay with this. Yeah, just one of the gang. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm hot. I don't have to be sad that this happened. Right. I'm hot now. As if she would have any concept of what that yeah. means. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting how sexy her outfit two- was. Yes. Actually, <laughs> so knowing what she had to wear, and we talked about this in a very early episode, but she's got like this insane like corset she's got to wear as yeah. she, so she can cram herself into this incredibly tight jumpsuit that's going on. Like, crazy knowing that you could totally see it and it looked like it hurt yeah um, i don't know how they don't they do give her something more comfortable at some point hopefully it's i don't remember how fast they change it but, but what i was really struck by was just how removing the board makeup board immediately makes her seem so normal and human and so much of like the weird alienness that she had that made her such a compelling character just sort of vanished as soon as she looked like a regular person yeah. for real mm-hmm. that board makeup was incredible Yes, really, really worked well. I read something on the Memory Alpha that Ron Moore, who was working on the show briefly during this time. With the Battlestar Galactica guy? Yes. He was like, why did we change her into a human? Like, she should have stayed a Borg person. Yeah. Which would have been interesting, but I think I would have felt really bad for the... (laughs) makeup people people and for jerry ryan having to wear that like yeah so i mean logistically i think it was for the best so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean but they could have given her a little bit more implant stuff like they could have tried a little harder but you know whatever they already have to deal with neelix that's enough to (laughs) worry about when it comes that's enough for everybody to think about for years to come 
it's funny feedback coming from a guy who creates a TV show where the robot people look exactly like humans <laughs> and indistinguishable. Down well, to a that was level. way earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know um, that Brian Fuller also was involved with the creation of this episode? Why do I know that name? He's the Pushing Daisies guy. He oh, really? did Dead Like Me, I think. Is that the one he did? Yeah. This episode specifically? Yeah, he came up with the Kess storyline. He was working as a freelancer. What? Like, and he didn't join the writing staff until a little bit later. But yeah, this was the first one that he helped work on. And he was, they were like, okay, come up with an idea to get rid of Kess. <laughs> that was his good. assignment to him. What did he have, like 24 hours to come up with something? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, the thing that I'll say is at least he didn't come up with a storyline to kill her. Like she just did her mm-hmm, own. Yeah. It's like something else. She isn't getting murdered in some horrible way or whatever. The way that she was leaving, I thought that her storyline was going to be like she was going to go find someone who knew a lot more and was going to train with them. I thought uh, I was not prepared for her to just like she was going to find disappear. her Yoda. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, her Yoda exactly. Well, this opens up the door for her to like maybe come back someday if they ever. Does she? Do you want me to tell you? Yes. She has one she one more episode. <gasps> she does? Mm. But it's a it's a ways away. Yeah. Is it a is it a Q mediated episode? No. Oh thank God. John there, there's only such purple lips. <laughs> there's only one more <laughs> Q episode. They put they give him some lipstick to make him look like a human. I do not remember, but I I don't spend a lot of time thinking about John Delancey's lips. I'm just gonna be real. I <laughs> Unfortunately, do too much. Really left a negative impression on me. Well, when he shows up in Picard, he has a beard and he looks like very distinguished, and you can't, you don't notice his lip color. You don't notice the two blood-filled leeches peeking out oh, from that my swamp God. hair. I, Funny, well, that's how people describe me every time they see me in person for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I I really liked it's such a small thing but it's so obvious in retrospect that she referred to herself as this drone or us the entire mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. that was really good yeah because she doesn't want to acknowledge that she's alone yeah mm-hmm. and i mean she's been in it for, for what well i guess when was she abducted do we know because she was at least, hyper, she was at least 20 years has it actually been that long i mean they said it was at least 20 years in the show so. Oh, okay. So, I mean, basically, since for a long time, and as a child, she has been part of a collective, and like she's she has no other frame of reference, really. Well, right, and you think about it like from the same sort of perspective. I think um, as like when people are put in isolation and the psychological mm. implications of that. Yeah. So going from this hive mind scenario to being alone in your head would. Yeah. I imagine be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know she's going to get rehabilitated, but I think if this is the sort of thing that happened in real life, you know, you take somebody out of their living situation, their culture, something that is really intense, like culture doesn't quite describe what it is. And then you took them out of that and made them live somewhere else entirely. I don't think they would adapt basically at all. I, I right. really think they would be maladapted for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't expect Star Trek to really tackle that kind of thing. I don't think there's a lot of frame of reference for that, but it is something I hope that they explore a little bit. Sarah, I know you talked about how like her being direct is going to be one of the things they talk about, and I imagine they're going to get a lot of sort of comedic mileage out of her being um, a stranger in a strange land, mm-hmm. and the things that we take for granted are so strange and weird to her. But I really want more 
discussion of the kind of trauma that this sort of experience would uh, create for her. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of like episodes where she's like learning how to be human again. And I don't remember it well enough to say if it's delicately handled or not. I would lean towards probably not. <laughs> more like yeah. all right it's time for you to learn how to be a hot lady let's go on some dates yeah. like <laughs> i mean mentally right. she should still be you know like seven or whatever how old she was when right like she's grown but she's not like she hasn't had any human interaction ever yeah so she's, just an old she's grown physically not emotionally right and so yeah. i mean yeah i don't know it is weird because she's got like adult brain because it's such a big part of being a teenager and a child is that your brain is plastic and developing. Like it's literally physically changing and unfinished, but hers is not. And so like, she's kind of like, as you said, baked the way that she is mm -hmm. when she was abducted. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like a whole process for her to figure out who she even is and what I know that mm. there's <laughs> eventually there's, I don't know how long this is or how far away it is, but there's some episode where they're like, you should try some like food, like actually good food. Cause she just like eats like weird Borg paste or something. <laughs> Cause she's like, why would I, Borg. it's inefficient to eat food when I can just, you know, slurp some paste or whatever. Some I don't even know what she does. Green. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then she gets mad and she's like, okay, fine. I'll try this piece of cake. And then she's just like, hold on. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> And then I think, yeah, that's one of the things that I remember happens. Like, so there's moments mm -hmm. like that that are like kind of endearing for sure. And then there's that's also going to be like awkward, stupid things too of her. Like, yeah, like learning about relationships and stuff. Because the people on the show are like, well, she's the new hot, sexy lady. We got to get her <laughs> into something with somebody like because they're well, unimaginative. And I mean, her human functions are returning. So, I mean, we we have to circle back to um, waste removal. Is that an automated process oh by the <laughs> ship? Or does she have to learn that? Uh, how to well, how do uh, Borg handle do it? I'm going to assume that the Borg paste is so efficient that there is no right. waste that needs to be There's removed no from waste the body. From, yeah. Or it's when they're in their, their re recharger station things there's mm -hmm. no waste from the borg paste oh that's God. the tagline of the product <laughs> are we gonna get a thoughtful careful delicate episode discussing her learning how her body is menstruating now oh my god that would be it's me seven I'm gonna that would just, be incredible I actually really, though i don't no, they don't talk about that. Of course they don't. No, this is yeah, a show written no mainly by to. men. They are not thinking about that. But it would be so good. I really want to say there's something about how she doesn't because of like Borg stuff. They like Borg. removed re reproductive mm. capability or something like that. Yeah, that seems. I don't know if that's officially in the show or if that's just something I read somewhere <laughs> on like Which, uh, Memory Alpha uh, or like from a book. I don't mm. know. Okay. Okay. If if that is like a thing that did happen, <laughs> it begs my question from last episode. If they remove uterus, why leave boobs? Why it feels like that's a it, if they are trying to make an efficient drone that has like no excess on it, why have 
why why do one thing but not the other? Okay, Ben, I hear you, and I agree with you. But if you take that argument to the logical conclusion, why do any organic thing at all? Why not just get rid of bio part entirely? You know, just go robot. I mean, fair, fair. But the answer to your question is boobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the, uh, like obviously that's the answer. I like I had another similar question of like. I, that I know the answer to, which was like, why is Seven's outfit the way that it is? And the answer right. is obvious. <laughs> Obviously, they want to show off Jerry Ryan, but like, <laughs> it, 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 logically, why would they do it like that in the show? That like, why would they make mm-hmm. her outfit yeah. like that and not just like another Starfleet uniform, et cetera, et cetera? There, there's other answers outside of the show, but within the within the logic of the universe, it doesn't make a ton of sense so okay well she's not starfleet so she can't wear that uniform but fair like, enough well that's that's not necessarily true all the really? marquee people aren't starfleet neelix certainly isn't yeah but neelix doesn't wear a star he always he, has, he has worn a starfleet uniform yeah he did wear it um at least a once. few times really i think i just blocked all that out the Starfleet uniform is sacred, and I will not see it desecrated by a fucking Talaxian. <laughs> <laughs> but these, like, terrorists can wear it, it's fine. But a Maquis. Yeah. Did you uh, also block out when he was in the bath? I mean, we we've had a lot of... We, when no, he, he still dreams about that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, nightmares. <laughs> like John Delancey's lips. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a special dream like what Finn had. But we'll get into that. <laughs> I thought there was an opportunity for this too when the doctor was describing like what he did to her, like stimulating her focus and that kind of thing. There was an opportunity for them to talk about how like maybe significant portions of her back had to be removed, so she had to wear this crazy thing to like keep her body upright or you know, mm. like bones were working. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They were just like, they just made you this outfit. It, I it thought it looks like, good. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's a little creepy, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't they didn't put enough thought into that i feel like there is at some point they're like explain it retroactively by being like well she has to wear that because of like compression uh being like her body needs it for some reason and that's why she has to wear this really skin tight thing but i mean you can wear shapewear under clothes like they could have given her clothes to wear over it you know (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, (laughs) if she had been like, this is inefficient, I'm a Borg and I wish to wear the skin tight suit. Like that wouldn't surprise me if they did that, even if it's stupid. Literally the bare minimum there. They just went with the doctor says that it looks good. Yeah. Why are we getting him to be the fashion guy? He's just uh, a wild choice. It's so strange. Yeah. Whatever. I I did think it was funny that he said <laughs> when he was like regrowing Seven's hair, which first of all, why did he make it super long and lush and blonde if right. he didn't mm-hmm. whatever though? It's whatever. I'm 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 really just not interested in the conversations that are like, why does Jerry Orion look like that when it wouldn't make sense for the character to look like like they're not gonna make her chop off her hair or like no. you know, wear mm. a binder because it would be weird if she had boobs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's just I I want her she's a good character, she's cool on the show. Mm-hmm. It's fine. But like when he's like, yeah, I regrew your hair, which was a vicarious. I lived vicariously through that because, haha, I'm bald. I'm like, dude, 
You are a computer. You can look however <laughs> you want. If you want to have hair, you can. Yeah, he had some in like like four episodes ago. Yeah, like in that flash forward episode with Kess, right? Oh no, I was thinking that one, yes, but also the one where he was living in that with that simulated family. Did he have hair in that one? He didn't one? have hair in that one. Did he have hair in that one? No, I think the, those two episodes were very close yeah, together. I thought it was just him. <laughs> but as he is. You're right. He could just give himself hair mm. whenever he chooses. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh yeah. It's so it's interesting. So you talked about last episode that article about um how Seven was was always queer. And there was this passage in there that really resonated that I was thinking a lot about as we watched the episode where the author talked about trans or I'm uh, sorry, intersex individuals and how they have their surgeries that are forced on them at birth that are forced into these boxes and how that constantly happens to seven in this episode. Mm-hmm. Not only like she's forced to be a human despite her constantly saying she doesn't want that. She is forced to grow hair and wear this out. Like all these things are forced upon her and mm-hmm. it's never really interrogated in any way. Well, yeah. and it's always in this frame of we're doing this for you. I yeah. mean, she has that line, right. you imprison me in the name of humanity. And it's yeah. like that frame of like, I am doing this to you because I care about you. That's right. like yes. this. Yeah. It's so thing. insidious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think for a lot of people, that is why they do the things they do to LGBT kids or people who are mm-hmm. just different from them. They do it because it's the right thing to do. I'm doing it to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they had a really, it, it's just, obviously this was a show made in the 90s so that we weren't going to get any kind of nuance on this particular thing. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. if it was being told today, it would have been so much more interesting to mm-hmm. have her like, okay, we've taken out all of your implants or whatever. You're going to live now. We've done what you need to have you stay alive without your Borg connection. Mm-hmm. What do you want to look like? <laughs> like, yeah, who do you want to be? Who do you want to like? And obviously, and just like giving her permission to take as much time as she needs to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I right. know obviously the show was like, we need to get her into the sexy outfit because that's what this character is for, which whatever but like it just would have been so much more of an interesting story to tell it from the beginning of like who do you want to become like do you want your hair to be long do you want it to be short do you want to wear this do you want to wear something over this do you want like she at the end we have like a little tiny flash of her uh, an unearned moment of her saying uh that little girl's favorite color was red and it's like okay we're now we're gonna we're at least working towards something. Like, why couldn't they have been like, I don't know. They could have just. In, this is why it should have been separated from the cast mm-hmm. stuff because, like, you could have mm-hmm. spent more time with her being like trying to come to terms with the fact that she saw a picture of herself as a child and that like obviously sparked yeah. some memories. But it didn't. They didn't talk about it at all. And so they she could have totally been like, with it. yeah, like, do you want to wear this? Do you want? something that's red do you want a red shirt so you can wear it because you like the color red like do you want something that's decorating your borg room like i don't know just something well there's this whole thing they could have spent some time on too about the ethics of whether or not he's even like should they have saved her if it meant taking away the parts of her that were you know borg parts that were fundamental to who she was like is that is that the right choice he just blew right past it because the answer to them seemed to be an obvious yes. Right. And I mean, that's the shittiest part. Because, like, 
I mean, you can compare it to a lot of different things because it's like when I was growing up in like super fundamentalist Christianity, I was like, this is the right thing for me and I believe in all of this. But then once I changed my mind about a bunch of that stuff, I look back at that and I'm like, that was messed up. And the fact that all those people were telling me all that stuff all the time about how what was right for me, like, like you just you come out of those things and you see in hindsight that was what was good for me to come out of it but you don't see that when you're in it so like from that point of view I get I don't I don't know I I don't really know where I'm going with this it's just like you can see there are good things and bad things about the way that they did this I guess yeah well I mean like my the, the example I always go to as a glasses wearer is that like I did not realize how poor my vision was until I got my eyes checked and realized right. yeah. like, my eyes suck and <laughs> yeah like that was always kind of an apt comparison to me like that, you know kind of stepping away from fundamentalist side of things yeah like the writers here don't have any frame of reference to know how wrong or off base they mm-hmm. are yeah right and i i think i guess i don't want to speak for you guys but when i am dunking on the show like this it's not because i expected them to necessarily do better because i don't think that's a fair criticism to level against a show in the 90s just where we are now looking back here are the things that could have done better and, and mm-hmm. how much more interesting these things could have been done mm-hmm. that's the thing that's so hard about watching a science fiction show set in the future but was made in the 90s because it's like okay we've come really far in even just 20 years or whatever and things are completely different and so in 400 years it should be even more different and people should be even more like Mm -hmm. I mean especially in like this quote utopia that Star Trek is where Earth is supposed to be like fine like we figured everything out on earth and that's why we're in space now and that's why there's problems because we're in space and we're interacting with mm-hmm. other species that aren't the same as mm-hmm. us whatever but like earth has theoretically become more like or like humans have become more empathetic and more caring and more open-minded and stuff and it's like they kind of talk about that in the older shows but not as much as they should <laughs> and as right. it feels like they should there, there's a lot of little things too of like like you said we've come a lot further than they probably could have anticipated in the show but like we also aren't further in other ways obviously but like the the one thing that i noted like just caught my like ke- continues to catch my eyes just like the tech that they think is going to be like super futuristic like her showing that picture of young seven and it's like it's literally just a fancy picture frame with yeah. like right. it's they're like this is gonna be crazy isn't it when we're gonna have like a a way to just like pull up a picture immediately and it's like that's the thing well, that we just do now one that's, of the things that's yeah. so weird in the way that life imitating art because I really want to yeah. say that they were like let's make the thing that they have on Star Trek and that's why we have there's, iPhones oh, there's a lot there of is a lot of that, that. yeah. yeah. So, so that's like, why it doesn't feel as like revolutionary is because we were like, wait, we could actually make that. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, it's, right, well, it's let me, funny. Let me do my soapbox here. So uh, in 1968, this guy called Alan Kay came across the original flat panel LCD. It's a 16 by 16 pixel grid. Um, and Alan Kay saw that 
great. And he went home and created an iPad. He drew an iPad, like a patent for an iPad. That was mm. in 1968. Mm. So like these things have been floating around. And I just sort of feel like what we think was so futuristic back then was something that had already been conceptualized in the past. And the things that we, like, I don't think we really generally as lay people have a good handle on what future technology is really going to look like. Mm -hmm. No, definitely yeah. not. The other thing about all the stuff, Sarah, you were talking about how a show written set 400 years in the future, but written 30 years ago. Like, I feel like the nineties is this extra case too, where at least to me as a child at the time, I had this sense that it was like this, the nineties were this super accepting, open, like really liberal progressive time. And a lot of the issues like racism and sexism from the past were either not an issue or going away. And I think that was just sort of pervasive in the culture at the time. And so I, I feel sort of echoed across media written at the time, especially futuristic media, where like the 90s was the pinnacle of society. Things are going to get a little bit better, a little more open-minded, but we're kind of already there. And to look back at a show written at the time, you can just see mm -hmm. like all the gaps in the writer's knowledge and sort of the society's awareness of what was actually going on at the time. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's fair, but mainly if you look at it pretty much exclusively from like a white male perspective. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Like I, I agree. Like from a white male perspective, it's absolutely a time where it's like, yeah, we're moving past racism and sexism, blah, blah, blah. Like all these things that are like continuing to come up. But right. like we look back now and we're like, oh yeah, no, it was still pretty shitty. Like yeah. really not good. Like we're yeah. just, we think that it was better, which is almost, which is arguably worse because we're like, it couldn't be, couldn't be that. We're just right. gonna sweep just it under the sweep it under right. the rug. Nobody cares. Just, no yeah. one look at it, and it's not there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all you have to do is take one second to look at Star Trek. And go, okay, where are all the gay people? Where are the 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 gender non people? Where are the trans people? Like mm -hmm. that's they're just they're just missing from a universe. Mm -hmm. That is, it feels like such a huge oversight. Yeah, which is why the newer shows are so. I mean, they're not perfect. They have their flaws, too. But, like, the fact that they are making an actual effort to include yeah. people who aren't mm -hmm. straight and cis is, like, I don't know. I'm so mixed on that. Like, on the one hand, it, it is good. But, like, it, it just feels so... It either feels like it's entirely in the background or it feels so tokeny. Like, the point of this character is that they're gender non-conforming or the or that it's just sort of oh what a coincidence that person had like a background kiss with the person of the same gender as them and i feel like if you were really going to lean into it all the way it would just be part of the texture of the show in a way that it is not presented well i think i i have my own issues with the way that discovery has done this type of stuff but like um i think having dr colbert and stamets mm -hmm. is pretty good what? That was a pretty significant, you know. Yeah, they're just married. Yeah. True. Yeah, that one's good. I do like that one. But, like, uh, I don't know. Well, Some of the stuff with, like, uh, Gray. With Gray, yeah. And that's, yeah, that definitely feels a little more token-y. It's not there here, there. Who's the Helms woman with the robot eye? Kayla Detmer. That I have that, to tell you yes. every single time. Like, I was picture her face. But this is, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, she gets, like, the barest storyline, and I believe she gets a, a girlfriend as well, 
but it's all it's so far in the background. Well, uh, I think that Discovery is doing the like extremely heavy lifting of trying to put this into a Star Trek like and yes. get people to be accepting of this in Star Trek. And so like I honestly think that when Strange New Worlds comes out, they're gonna have it be a lot more uh smoothed mm-hmm. out in terms of like including it as like normal and like everyone be really interesting. I th- I think based on some of the casting, I hope that's how it is. I mean who knows? But like yeah. What's so cool about that is the way it acts like a retcon to of the original series, the idea that all mm-hmm. these people were there mm-hmm. you just yeah. didn't see them in TOS. Right. Yeah. And I think the idea with having some more of those, like, you know, things that you're talking about more in the background, like, I think they've, tr- from my perspective, been trying to balance it more, like, you know, we, ha- we have a lot more story development with um, Stamets and Dr. Culber, but I think, like, they're adding these other ones in the background to kind of yeah, make it feel like it is like a fabric of the community and yeah. not just like this one-off, you know, story we got. Right. Well, like with with Tig's character. Yeah. She she's just like, yeah, I had a wife, she died. Right. <laughs> and it's just like uh, just people even it's such a small thing but like just saying it like yeah, it was just mm-hmm. that was my spouse, my partner. It's just making it more normal. As for me, Discovery works better than maybe I'm giving it credit for because they have put those storylines more front and center. So it's not just background. If it's just background, it's like you're just paying lip service to it so you can mm-hmm. check that off the list of things you're supposed right. to include. Mm-hmm. But they've actually done good work with that. I think I'm getting really picky because I read this book. It's called Black Sun, and it's got a bunch of uh, gay and n- gender nonconforming people in it. And when you first start it, and I want to Costumes by saying that I'm a straight white man. I don't have a whole lot of experience with this, but when you first start it, you bounce off a little bit, but pretty quickly they just sort of become part of the texture of the world. Um, and it works really well. And it just creates this, like, I don't know. I really appreciated how that book included these characters in it in a way that was extremely natural. And it never felt like tokenization and it never felt like they were being dismissed or anything like that. It just, they just felt like part of the world. It just felt, just felt normal. And that is, I'd, I'd love to see more stuff that handles characters like that in that way. Highly recommend that book. Go check it out. Black Sun. Maybe not if you're squeamish. Should should we talk about Adventure Time? I was going to say <laughs> we, we are an hour into recording, and we have not even silly at this point. We have not talked Adventure Time at all. Well, I have one last thing that I want to share yeah. Yeah, about yeah. the. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um. During the filming of the first day of this episode, Friday, June 6, 1997, Kate Mulgrew had a UPN photo shoot. The call sheet for this day features her timetable. She was picked up at 12 o'clock, had her hair and makeup done between 12.20 p.m. and 2 p.m. The photo shoot between 2 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. was picked up for the transport to the Paramount Picture Studios lot at 3.30 and was back in makeup and hair for filming her scene on this day at 4 p.m. Oh, my God. (laughs) to start filming at what six i don't know <laughs> they didn't include that part in the memory yeah. alpha extremely detailed mm-hmm. fact about this episode i think it's really <laughs> interesting actually because i never really you never get a sense of what those schedules are like yeah that is a crazy schedule but i mean she doesn't have to drive herself to all those places or do anything she just has to be like 
present so that people can be like, okay, here's your car, ma'am. And then here we're doing your makeup for you. And now stand like this for the pictures. And now we're going to take you back. Right. Like, you uh-huh. know, it's, it's probably a lot of work and stressful and like tiring, but she at least doesn't have to be the one in charge of getting her to different places, which is the only right. way it would be bearable. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh man. I, I don't want to be an actor. Friends, <laughs> I don't want to do it. Nope. Well, this week we also watched Adventure Time. Again, it feels, after that very serious conversation we had about Voyager, it feels ridiculous to talk about Adventure Time, especially uh, the second episode, but I guess we'll get into it. Um, this week we also watched Adventure Time, Season 5, Episode 29, Sky Witch. Marceline enlists Princess Bubblegum's help in order to track Maja the Sky Witch. It is revealed that Marceline's ex-boyfriend, Ash, sold Marceline's beloved stuffed animal, Hambo, to Maja. Only when Bubblegum trades her prized rock shirt, which was given to her by Marceline, is Hambo able to be reunited with Marceline. In Season 5, Episode 30, Frost and Fire, Finn has an interesting dream, which involves Flame Princess and Ice King fighting each other. But he wakes up before he can finish it. He then decides to stage a fight between the two in real life to see if he can finish the dream. However, during the fight, Flame Princess destroys the Ice King and discovers that Finn set up the fight. Betrayed by her boyfriend, she decides she needs some time alone. And I would like to say that whoever wrote the synopsis for this one um, decided that they were going to link the phrase interesting dream to the Wikipedia page for nocturnal emissions. Oh my god. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, unfortunately, there is a photograph of a pair of underwear, quote, smeared with nocturnal sperm emission. Oh my god. Description. Mm. What the f- why would why that, is that allowed? I don't think that should be allowed to be in a picture on a thing like that. We don't that, need an, an image of that. Why do we get it right? Like it's got lots of arrows and red circles. Why? Too, oh, need, why? No, that makes no. Okay, whatever. Wikipedia, you nasty. Didn't need him. Didn't need him. It's pretty obvious. I'm looking at what's going on. <laughs> anyway, so Finn had a wet dream. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the next episode. I, thank God. Okay. I really liked Sky Witch. It's really, really, really lovely seeing the two of them get to have their relationship develop with each other. I agree. Mm-hmm. Was, Is that was... all we have to say? <laughs> <laughs> We're also tired after talking about Voyager for an yeah. hour. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I, I just go through my notes here. Um, when they get into the house, I really like um, Princess Bubblegum's like, Sherlock bit. Where she looks oh, at all yeah. the evidence and mm-hmm. makes a deduction. That was great. I love that. Um, I also keep my privates in a box. <laughs> uh, so uh-huh. does uh, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Fuck. But his probably aren't detachable, right? <laughs> well, not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that PB is in, like using chemical warfare in this episode With as well? With the sleep... Yeah, this she, sleep powder gas or that, whatever. Oh, yeah. that she's using with the 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 gumball guardians. Yeah, just like yeah, anybody that shows up, they're gonna get gassed, and I need <laughs> you guys to not get gassed. Uh huh. Cinnamon she Bun is the them, right. Owns who? The gumball guardians. I mean, yeah, yes, but that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about they're the not, like sentient. Are they? If they are, I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, isn't that PB's whole thing is doing things that are upsetting? Yeah. I mean, she created 
She created she's made lots grab. of things. She's made lots of she's made yeah. all the candy people, right? Like Yeah. Are they sentient? They're, yeah, they're they're just dumb. I yeah, probably. Something like that. My point is more that uh she it's not the gumball guardians that I'm concerned about getting gassed. It's the fact that she is gassing people as they show well, up right. to the candy kingdom. Well, yeah, I mean there's that too. <laughs> yeah. There's that. Honestly, that kind of just blew right past me. I actually really didn't bounce on that one at all. Yeah, well, because they take a left turn and don't talk about it again. Yeah, they, <laughs> it's not they what do the that whole like about. make a fist with your brain and punch the sleepiness out of your out yeah. of your brain. It was great. Yeah, very good. Love that. Uh, and then Marceline just shows up in a wrestling onesie and is just ready to go. So. Yeah, very on brand for her. For sure. I never know what she's what outfit she's going to show up in, and every time it makes sense somehow right yeah i think there's a lot of stuff to be said in this episode about uh getting to see two women get to star in it and get to do things that are about each other and building relationships with each other there's that's, there's a lot of good stuff there that i don't feel super capable of talking about but i i, re- I really liked how it was sort how it was symbolized at the end by the uh, public living with the rock t-shirt and just like so quickly how you as the viewer can understand not only like the significance of the t-shirt, but then the significance to PB about what it must have taken for her to give that up and mm-hmm. the depth of the feeling she has for Marceline to be willing to do that just to help her out. Yeah. yeah. The depth of her feelings for Marceline are more important than the depth of her depths of her feelings for the t-shirt itself. Right. Despite what that t-shirt symbolizes. Yeah. It was, it was more important for her to see Marceline happy with, Hambo for a little bit, exactly, and just to be able to give Marceline something that she wants clearly so badly, regardless mm-hmm. of what it is that she had that she can do that, and that she's just willing to, like no questions asked. Right. I had. Does this witch lady come back? Um, or is she like a one-off? I think she comes back at least one more time. I guess I was just kind of wondering if she like is connected to because like they these there's like the characters that are like Finn and Jake, and they have like as far as we know, like normal lifespans. And then there's characters that are like ancient beings that have been around right. a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just was wondering if like she and PV were like connected in some way, like based on how long they've been around, you know? Yeah. Um, interesting question. I don't know if you noticed, but when PB is going through the attic and she finds the box of private things, uh-huh. she, um, there's a painting in the background of the weird, green flame glowing monster thing that Finn saw in that murder mystery mansion episode. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Hmm. No follow up. Just think that's interesting. Wasn't that another um, princess person? Like ghost. Ghost. Yeah. Was it called ghost princess? No, that is not ghost princess. Okay. I mean, I barely what, remember what that Spectre looked princess? like in that episode. <laughs> uh, monster it, princess. Nope. It wasn't. It's unknown. <laughs> oh, huh? Okay. But I will say that it becomes fundamentally important to some aspects of the show later. Okay. It's the manifestation of the mushroom war. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I feel like I may have just hit it. <laughs> um, Andrew, Andrew's silence says so much right there. <laughs> it says exactly what you wanted to say, Ben. Um, so I thought that was... I noticed that it becomes interesting later. And she comes, she comes back in one more episode. But I think the bulk of it is really here. Mm. Okay. I just think it's funny then that there's this whole section with her at the end of the episode, like torturing her mm-hmm. I know. crabbit guy. <laughs> the crabbit, yeah. 
Let's go be a dancer. Crow bit. Mm-hmm. I'm here for the ripped bunny crow. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably something in the... I mean, because Maja's another woman in, in an episode about them. And you, you get sort of this positive relation between Marceline and PB and this extremely negative one between Maja and... Uh, and Marceline, mediated by Marceline's terrible ex-boyfriend. There's something there, but I don't have enough English interpretation skills to be able to pull something out. <laughs> Do y'all have any, anything like that? Did you figure out what was going on there? No, I didn't write nope. very much down about this episode. My last note kind of sums up my feelings, and it's just, uh, I think Maja sucks. Yeah. 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 She's bad. Mm-hmm. Well, should we talk about Finn's uh, emissions? I hate that you you phrased it like that, but yes. Uh, (laughs) I didn't expect any less of you, though, to be fair. I could have phrased it so much worse. This is a a place where the show takes an interesting turn into um, uh, tackling, I think, more serious subject matter, like Mm -hmm. adolescence and relationships and how to fuck them up real bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the the gross feeling of watching Finn, like, manipulate this whole situation was just yeah yeah he i i'm glad he got dumped at the end yeah it is interesting to see your main character do things that are so transparently wrong Mm -hmm. and i feel like a show that's less confident in itself would forgive him by the end of it and i really like sarah as you say that he gets dumped there are like genuine consequences for his shitty behavior yeah well and just the fact too that like he like Yes, he was genuinely remorseful and was apologizing, but that doesn't like change the impact right. of it. Right. So that the, the follow through. Right. So the follow through is still there versus like the typical cartoon response of like now we're setting, you know, we're resetting back to, right. you know, blank page for the next episode. Right. Yeah. And I think they do an interesting job of setting it up so you can understand his motivation. Not just, like, why he would want to create this whole scenario, but also, like, his total lack of understanding of what he's actually doing and the mm-hmm. consequences of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of us, we make we learn about how to have a relationship with people just by bumbling into things and making horrible mistakes until eventually you learn not to. Right. Mm-hmm. I for, certainly felt seen by this episode for reasons like that. Not for this specific case, but <laughs> just in general, like, fucking up with, with girlfriends and with close friends and that kind of thing. And then just slowly learning uh, from that. Your silence is making me feel like that is a experience unique to me. And no, no, nope. terrible person. No, I'm just sitting <laughs> no. here thinking about all the terrible things that I did when I was in high school and middle school. It was and... all of us being sent into deep reminiscence <laughs> yeah. of all of that. All of the terrible things. Yeah, yeah speak for yourselves, like, flawed <laughs> humans. Oh my god. <laughs> I've never done anything wrong. In this. Of course I have. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I, it's a pretty universal experience because it's something that you do kind of have to just learn by going through it. Like, there's no right. real other way around it because, given, yeah, like, especially at that age where all of these things and feelings are like new it's like you don't know how to like understand them and they're just generally not really well talked about so yeah uh you kind of go into it pretty unprepared it can be so powerful too it's so easy to just sort of completely lose track of 
how to be a good person. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just one of those things you got to do. What got it has to happen to you, like while you're growing up, because otherwise it's you know, <laughs> right. And Adventure Time is pretty on the nose with like here's a lot of the things you've people have to deal with as they grow up and like what growing up is going to feel like in different spots in your life and stuff like that and it's just this is just another situation where we get Finn kind of being put into two different weird growing up situations that are going to make him feel both weird from the dream and bad for absolutely ruining some stuff and messing with people in ways that are less than ideal (laughs) Would be the generous way to phrase it. Bad is the correct way to phrase it. Yeah, they're interesting episodes to have seen together because one of them focuses on such a positive relationship and how that can be so beneficial when you've had a really negative one. And then we get to see the total opposite of that. I mean, Ash really did manipulate Marceline with what he did. And uh, then we get to see how that can be sort of restored through the love of, of a friend. And uh, then the immediate follow-up is Finn doing an awful shitty thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we just get to wait and see how Finn deals with having done this awful shitty thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because like we know Finn's a good person, so he's going to feel bad about it for yeah. probably a while. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the difference of, like, I mean, Ash obviously is doing it with malintent versus, like, right. Finn, like, stumbling through this and, you know, not intending to, you know, do that. Like, it doesn't change the impact of it, but, like, right. it's that difference of, well, like we were talking about, like, you know, everyone goes through it, it's up to the person whether they're going to learn from it or not, and a lot of people don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, as the story with Flame Princess continues to unfold, you know, you know, Finn changes as a result. It is interesting. Learning from those mistakes requires so much self-awareness and um, strength to acknowledge that you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. It is going to be interesting to see how Finn handles it or doesn't. Mm-hmm. Well, do we have any Grables this week? I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whoa. All right. Uh, Sarah, I want to hear your grable first. Both had bisexual characters going through trauma related to something from their childhood. Marceline oh. losing Hambo and Seven being assimilated. Yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. Ben, what do you got for me? Both uh, both series had situations of people giving up something that they, in a moment, giving a gift to loved ones that might have had repercussions to them personally in Cass sending the Voyager forward and PB giving up her rock t-shirt. I like that one. Very good. Mine's much less interesting, but uh, Cass and flame princess both uh, had uh, kind of going supernova moments. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. All right. And Andrew, your turn. Uh, I'm the combo breaker this week. I've got, uh, uh, nothing. nothing. <laughs> How dare you, ones. sir? I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I spent so much time thinking about each episode, I failed to think about the connections. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even talk, mention the fact that Kess sent them 9,000 light years uh, closer to yeah, right. Alpha yeah. Quadrant. Kess, more, more like Nos, right? Am I right? Whoa. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, right? <laughs> she got that, that ship too fast and too, too furious, furious up in this space. Oh my god. I'm quitting this podcast. 
I'm Paul Walkering away from it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you're not, terrible, sir. Terrible. You, no, thing. Just, like a long conversation. Is, God, I meant that as a pun for walk, not that. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, the show's all about family. I'm like, uh, and Corona beer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean. Voyager is about a found family, and so is Adventure Time. And mm-hmm. so is the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> we're bringing it in, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> From here on out, we're also watching Fast and Furious. Oh my Furious. god, no, we already did that. We're not doing that um, again. Oh Fast in, in Fast and Furious, they go, also go to space. I'm ending this. <laughs> <laughs> well, species. T- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Join us next week as we oh watch Star Trek Voyager season four, episode three, Day of Honor and Adventure Time. Uh oh, my, my scrolling is wrong. And Adventure Scroll Time, better. Season five, episode thirty one, Too Old and Thirty Two, Earth and Water. Too old, too furious. <laughs> too old, too chill. <laughs> Remember to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Voyager Time, Facebook Voyager Time, email us VoyagerTime at gmail.com and join the family by joining the Discord. The link is in the show notes. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, in the meantime, we'll just wait for you here. By the mausoleum. With our backs turned and our defenses lowered. Come along with me and we'll explore the galaxy. We got stuck in a Delta Quadrant. We'll get home eventually. Come along.